Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. So thank you, Mark, for sharing that uh, story with us. I'm, I'm going to be talking today about Nehemiah as we continue our series by coming back stronger. Over the past couple of weeks, you'll have got a little bit of history about Nehemiah, so I'm not going to go into too much of that, but hopefully you'll be able to follow the story as we pick out a few things looking at the life of Nehemiah around the topic of wisdom. So Nehemiah is a very interesting character when it comes to that. We see a person who has... At the very start of the book, he's heard about the distress of a city and he's seemingly shaken from his mundane everyday life to go and restore the fortunes of a city and actually then as part of the restoration of a whole nation. So we read just a couple of verses here in Nehemiah 1, verses 2 to 4. And it says, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men and I questioned him about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who have survived the exile and are back in the province are in great distress and trouble. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept for some days. I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And so we see that Nehemiah has this emotional response to this news. It touches his heart, but it's also a considered response. He goes to prayer. He waits on the Lord. He allows what he has heard to rest upon him, not ignoring or suppressing his emotions. He enters fully into this experience. And so for wisdom to rise up in our hearts, particularly when it comes to what God is doing, the process of actively listening is so important. And this needs time. It needs space and quiet and solitude and reflection. And these quiet, isolated spaces can actually feel dangerous for us. Depending on our circumstances, they can be lonely or hard places. For others, getting that time and space at all can be really difficult. We're maybe too busy. We maybe feel too stressed. Or maybe we're frightened because of what we might face when we enter into a silent or quiet place. And so as we're emerging from lockdown, a good question for you might be, is there margin or space in my life for me to hear the voice of God, maybe for something really important, and it's more than just a quiet few minutes? Like Jesus, maybe um, if Jesus ever had a watch, it might have been set to mountain time. And um, mountain time for me is, is when we see the life of Jesus, he never seemed rushed. And he took time out, even out of the busyness, he took time out. And if you go up a mountain, it's not something that you can do quickly or easily. It takes time. But it's also a choice. Whilst lockdown didn't feel like a choice for us, I believe that God has time and space for us, which is a choice. Could there be something that God wants to stir your heart for over this next while? So in chapter one of Nehemiah, we have this prayer that comes from a deep place of waiting upon the Lord. It's full of praise and worship and confession of sin, um, of reminding himself about God and his goodness and his promises. 
Out of this quietness comes a prayer. It's the foundation from which Nehemiah will step forward with vision in his mind. So towards the end of prayer, I'm, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to read a couple of verses. It says this. Remember the instruction you gave to your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands... Then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. And as Nehemiah gets ready to step forward out of this place of prayer and into action, I'm sure he's really nervous, but at the same time, he must be thinking, if not now, when? If not me, who? Now, actually, that quote is based on an ancient rabbinic saying by Hillel the Elder, um, not more recently by Emma Watson, the actress, um, but it's a very important thing. And I think that God might be saying that to a few people this morning. If not now, when? If not you, then who? So my first point could be about listening, listening to the voice of God, hearing him, catching his heart. But Dave has already talked about listening last week, so we'll call that half a point because I've got four more. And they're all specifically to do with wisdom. And they are that wisdom learns from life's experiences. Wisdom sees the big picture. Wisdom finds a place or a part for you to play. And wisdom perseveres. The first one, wisdom learns from life's experiences. We read in Nehemiah that Nehemiah is a cup bearer to the king, um, Artaxes. And this is the place from which he goes. And we know from previous weeks that Nehemiah was a copper and that he went on to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. And those two things don't seem to really correlate. And we're, I'm wondering as I'm reading this, what is it that's given Nehemiah the ability to go and do the task? And um, it doesn't seem like ideal preparation for a citywide building project. But when you think about it, his role gives him access to and the ear of the king, but also gives him an opportunity, having been in the king's presence and around the king's courts, all the things that he could have observed and seen, because his every day, in some ways mundane, although highly dangerous rule, gives him the opportunity to hear a king make decisions, give orders, negotiate, show leadership. He's in the presence of a powerful man, and he's taken on board that environment. He's learned from it. And all this observation and learning must have given Nehemiah some of the skills that he needed to do the tasks that God was leading him to. Much of his leadership experience is learnt within the context of an unrelated high-risk role. And I believe that some of you who are listening this morning might find yourselves in, in a place, maybe in your job, where it doesn't feel like you're doing an amazing thing necessarily. But maybe God is wanting you to, to reimagine, to rethink about your workplace or your home life. And, and maybe God's asking us, 
right now, what are you learning? What are you taking in? What can you see? Are you, are you actually in an environment where you can learn from what's going on around you, even if your job seems to you to be mundane? Are you being curious again? And what God is teaching you through your circumstances, what you're learning allows for him to speak into your heart as you're open. And there was a season in my life where I was in a job. I used to work in the IT industry. I used to work in sales. But I remember getting really fed up with it. And I really just closed myself off and went in and did my job. And, and I was quite kind of miserable about it. And I know when I look back, I didn't learn very much during that time because my attitude and the way I went about my role, even though I performed it, wasn't good. I wasn't open to learning. Nehemiah, in his situation, is rewarded for his faithfulness before the king. And it seems that God has given him a vision and the king allows him the resources that he needs to get the job done. And resources and the ability to locate them is actually a key skill. And um, I think it will continue for us to be a key skill for our communities. And right now, in, in the place that we find ourselves in, as we enter a recession, resource location is going to be key. Being creative with our resources and our locations and what we do and how we operate is going to, going to be really important going forward. In a very practical way, many of us have actually kind of done this. Um, I've loved hearing the stories about how people have located resources, taken them and done something else with them. Um, and one of the great ways that people do that is with pallets. So the amount of people who have built garden furniture with pallets, vegetable planters, um, and even uh, I've heard of people building whole playhouses for their kids out of pallets because it's a resource that's there that can be allocated in, in a different way. And um, you know, Nehemiah is thinking about the rebuilding of the city. What, what resources do I need? And so he goes to the king and he says, look, I need wood because I've heard that the gates have been burnt down, so I need new wood. And, and the king gives him the opportunity to go and get that wood from his forests. And we'll see later on when he gets to the city, he, he recognizes that another resource that he needs, which is stones or rocks, are already there. They're already in place. They're lying in rubble all around the ground, but he reallocates that resource to build a wall. And so as we head into a recession and we're, we're still thinking about the rewriting story of a city, I would love for our church to be known as excellent stewards of the resources that we have been given. And I believe that we will be given more to steward because of our history of faithfulness in this area. But I would also like the church to be known for the reallocation and the repurposing and the reusing of resources that are already available to us. And that takes creativity. That takes you to be creative with the way you do things. And sort of as a side point as well, I think that we have a responsibility before God to be wise with our resources and the resources of this earth. This biblical term is, is really stewardship. Um, and whilst it's probably a conversation for another day, it's clear during lockdown that we've become aware of just how much the earth is suffering under the hand of man and how much we extravagantly use the earth's resources. Uh, during this kind of lockdown, almost on a worldwide level, it was almost like 
the earth itself took a breath as we slowed down and, and stopped a lot of the things that we did. And it's true, and we need to take our own personal responsibility for the fact that we're damaging at times God's earth, his beautiful creation, that um, we, we treat it with disrespect. And, and in some ways, as we damage the earth, we, we damage each other. And so environmental concerns are something uh, that require kingdom solutions. And yet, sadly, Christian voices are, are almost absent in that field. And so when we come and to think about resources and to be wise about those, I would like to just throw out a bit of a challenge that, that we as Christians, that as a church, could find better ways to use the wonderful resources that God has given us on this earth. And so the second point is that we need wisdom to see the big picture. In Nehemiah chapter 2, as he approaches Jerusalem to assess the city, he goes in quietly. It actually says that he goes in at night to look around the city and to see the state of the city walls. He's carrying a vision from God, and even in the dark, he sees piles of rubble. And rather than seeing a mess, he sees potential. He sees building materials. He sees opportunity. And you know, that's godly vision, to look at a mess in the dark and see potential to build something from it. When we have a vision to change something, it's amazing how that alone changes our perception and what we believe to be possible. And so we read this in chapter 2 from verse 11. I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one that I was riding on. And so he goes in a covert way. But what's really interesting about this verse is it said, I had not told anyone what God had put on my heart for Jerusalem. And this is an amazing phrase, I think, in these verses. That God has placed a plan, a vision, and enthusiasm into Nehemiah's heart. He didn't tell anyone until it was ready to be revealed. And there's something about the placing on, on hearts of people that happens supernaturally, that God does. And when this happens, it needs protected, it needs cultivated, it needs contemplated. How many of us take the time and create the space for a vision to grow and take root in our hearts? And God always sees the full picture. We need wisdom to see as he sees. And so God will soften our hearts in order to place kingdom vision and solution to the mess of this broken world on us and in us. And, and these, these visions and these dreams, they need space and time to grow. We need wisdom as to how to cultivate them. And we need to create the opportunity for those things to grow. These fragile, precious visions need to be placed within a context and brought out in the right way. And so we, make, we create healthy community. What happens is that, that when we share our vision and we take it to other people, that they too hear God and, and that together this thing starts to grow and we get to see that it's part of a bigger picture and part of a story. So have you listened? Have you taken time to tune your voice into God's word? to pray and to fast for what lies ahead? Have you shared your vision with a few trusted people? 
As a leader, I get um, the pleasure of hearing other people's hearts. Sometimes it's the start of an idea. Sometimes it has shape but no depth. Even through the process of sharing for that person, the vision becomes clearer. The what next question becomes really important. And maybe your idea or vision is a bit like a cake. You know, you take it out of the oven and you go, is it quite ready yet? No, it's not. We'll put it back in. We'll give it some more time. But when it is ready, um, it's ready to be used. Maybe it needs a contribution of others. And, and so what I would say about seeing the big picture and, and understanding the big vision when it comes to wisdom is that one of the wisdom pieces is that we share it with other people, that we share our ideas, our thoughts, our dreams. We share what's on our heart in the context of community. Because wisdom will always seek the input of others. We all suffer from perspective blindness. By the diversity of thinking sparks off creativity. It gets us to a better place and a better solution. And if we are in a place of true Christian community, we will take the things that God has placed on our hearts and we will share them. And so Nehemiah sees the mess of the city and he has this vision on his heart and he looks around and he gets to the point where he's ready to share it. And so we read in uh, verse 16, the officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing because as yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or the nobles or the officials or any others who had been doing the work. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in? Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start building. So they began this good work. And that, In verse 17, I love that. The idea that to these people who are standing in the middle of ruins, and Nehemiah points out, you see the trouble that Jerusalem is in? It lies in ruins. Its gates have been burnt with fire. And anyone can point out mess. But Nehemiah isn't finished. And he says to them, come, let us rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And the people respond, let's start rebuilding. So simple, but at the right time, with the right vision and the right heart, other people come around it and say, come, let us rebuild. I mean, these people have been sitting in ruins for years and years. Many of them have probably spent their entire life living around piles of rubble. But in God's timing, they respond. So maybe for you today, the word of wisdom comes from your loving heavenly father. And, and maybe he says to you at a very personal level, I see the mess in your life. Come. Let us rebuild. Maybe God is saying to us as a church, and as a wider church community, I see the mess of your city. Come, let us rebuild. And the visions that have been rising in people's hearts as, as they are shared uh, become the answers, the solutions to the problems in each other's lives, in our own life, and in the city. And trouble comes almost straight away. It comes in the, the form of uh, 
two or three characters. Two in particular, they're called um, Sambalat and Tobiah. And we read in verse 19, it says, When Sambalat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official and Geshem the Arab heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is it you're doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? Right at the point of decision-making, right at the point of we're going to do this, comes the first attack from the enemy. And we should expect that in our lives too. The enemy does not want to see us birth new vision and new ideas and new solutions. He's going to try and stop them before they come. But God always has other plans. And so they start rebuilding the walls of the city. And they started together as a collective. They see the big picture. And then they have to figure out what their part is in it. And so my third point is that wisdom calls us to play our part and let other people play their part too. Again, I think of the years um, serving uh, the king that Nehemiah has done, that he has understood what it means to coordinate, what it means to uh, give orders. He's seen that modeled out to him. And so Nehemiah's job is to be that leader at that time. His job is an apostolic one to empower, to equip, and to release others to do the work of ministry. And chapter three of Nehemiah is this brilliant uh, sort of list of who the people were and what part of the wall that they rebuilt, family after family after family. I'll just give you a little quick sample. Nehemiah 3 verse 2 says, Elisab, the high priest and his fellow priests went to work to rebuild the sheep gate. The men of Jerusalem built the adjoining section and Zazkur, son of Imri, built next to them. The fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hassanah. And, and so it goes on and on and says, they built this, they built this, they built this, they built this. Everyone took responsibility for their part. And so it's this idea, this picture, a story of a community building project. It's not just Nehemiah's story anymore. anymore. It's not just Nehemiah's vision anymore. Everyone has a vision for their piece of the wall or their gate or the bit that they're responsible for. Everyone plays a role and takes part. Literally families building a bit of the wall that's outside their house. And Nehemiah's role is to coordinate the whole thing. He does what he is called to do so that they can do what they're called to do. And that's wisdom in action. I like seeing the big picture, but I also like getting my hands dirty. And in Nehemiah, we see that he was somebody that got his hands dirty before. He was a cupbearer to the king, a very dangerous job. But this is his time to do what only he can do, which is to coordinate, is to, be, to move from being cupbearer to being architect. And we need to know, and we need to have wisdom to know what season we're in and what role we're to play. And it's not that one role is more important than another, but it's about asking God, what do you want me to do in this time? And there are key times in this project that had Nehemiah decided, I'm going to help build the wall too, and he'd actually got down into the muck and the dirt and started building the physical wall, the project would have failed because he needed to stay overseeing. And when difficulty came along, he was the one making the strategic decisions about how to keep this thing going. And 
Everybody did their role and played their part. Everybody did their small thing because it was part of the big thing. They all found their place. And it's quite simple when you think about a wall around a city. If 90% of the wall is built and there's 10% this big gap, where's the enemy going to come to? How safe are you? You're not safe at all. 90% of the wall might be built, but if one person or one family or one group doesn't play their part, there's a big gap in the wall. Uh, It kind of reminds me of a little quotation from Mother Teresa who said, there are no great things, only small things done with great love. And so we, we think about maybe our small thing that needs to be done with great love that becomes part of the bigger story of what God is doing. If you like, if we're building the kingdom, what is your small part? What is God calling you to build? Where do you fit? Where do your skills need to be deployed? So wisdom calls us to play our part. And fourthly, wisdom calls us to persevere. You see, when they got about halfway up building the walls, another attack comes. It comes, first of all, in in words. And so we we read in in chapter four, uh, our little friends Sambala and Tobiah come. And uh, so they start with... um, Funny little verse that I love is Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at the side of uh, Sambalat, said, what are, what are you building? Even a fox climbing up could break that down and it would fall apart. So he comes with disdain. He comes with criticism. He comes with this funny little story about a fox could knock your wall down. It almost sounds childish. And after that, though, comes threats of violence and and even of murder. And when these come, Nehemiah's wisdom starts to look like a plan. He kind of goes, listen, we're going to keep on working, but we're going to be wise. We're going to put people to watch out for attacks that might come. And in fact, there's there's that well-known phrase about a shovel in one hand and a sword in, in another Uh, And Nehemiah places people strategically to keep an eye on what's going on. It says as well that he keeps um, a trumpet blower by his side. So when they see an attack of the enemy on a certain part of the wall, the trumpet will blast and everybody knows that's the shout to go uh, and and help each other. And so the, the wisdom to persevere is in this, how do we figure this out? How do we keep on going? But it comes when things are half done. And that's very interesting, isn't it? Have you ever got halfway through something and you get discouraged or distracted? Many of us have half-finished projects, half-finished DIY, half-finished books, half-finished exercise programs, half-finished lockdown jigsaws. And it's a critical time for discouragement when the enemy comes in, when we've probably had that initial sense of enthusiasm, but we've got to persevere. And that's when we need to rest on God and to find our hope and trust in him. Sometimes we just have to hold on. I love this little quote from uh, Corey Ten Boom, who says, when a train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off. You sit still and trust the engineer in the middle of the darkness we trust that God is with us Corey Ten Boom spent several years 
in a concentration camp because she was uh, she was a Dutch lady and she harbored um, Jews and kept them safe. And she got to the place of darkness, true darkness in her life in that concentration camp. And, and this is a, a quotation that um, when she spoke all around the world after that about what God had led her through, when it gets dark, we hold on. And when it gets dark, when things get difficult, we persevere. But we persevere with strategy, as we've seen with, with Nehemiah, and also with being practical. And the perseverance for these people who were rebuilding the wall was difficult because twice in the past, the rebuilding of Jerusalem had failed. Two failed attempts. This is the third attempt. And there's criticism. And things are difficult. And it's hard work. And I feel that this is a specific word for somebody this morning. This is where we need wisdom to understand something about life's experiences. They, your past experience is often not the determining factor of your future success, but it is the key to your future success if you would allow God to speak to you about that. And particularly if you have failed in the past, that does not dictate your future. If we are aware and if we learn we can take hold of this narrative. It doesn't become a, fa a failure, failure, I'm going to fail again narrative. It becomes a failure, failure. What have I learned from failure? What experiences have I been through? How can I do it differently again, having known now how not to do something or having known the mistakes that you've made in the past? They do not dictate your future. And I think there are a few people who, because of your negative experiences in the past, have found it you, that you're almost immobilized, paralyzed from stepping forward because you don't want to be that failure again. But failure is not your narrative. Experience is. And the enemy does a number on us with this. You've tried, but you failed. Remember that disaster. You know, don't do that again. And so we, we displace or remove ourselves from that place of faith and risk that God wants us to be in where we rely on him. The fact is that when we look back at our mistakes, there's so much learning in those things. What did I learn? How could I do things differently? And this is true when we look at, at things like business, for example. In, in America in particular, there's a real entrepreneurial spirit and culture. And that one of the things that, that is kind of, I, I feel more acceptable in, in certain other cultures is that um, failure in business is actually one of the road steps on the way to success. And so very famous examples, you know, people like um, Bill Gates or Walt Disney who have made a mistake, whose business hasn't worked out, but that hasn't defined them. They've gone on to be successful. Henry Ford said that failure is simply the opportunity to begin again, this time more intelligently. I, I think, sadly, in our culture, we hear too often of people's past failures and that we don't necessarily speak well of others who have failed in the past. Uh, and so you might hear like, of somebody who has a business, but like, people bring up, oh, years and years and years ago, they went bankrupt, or this happened, or that happened, or that person there failed at this, or wasn't able to do that. We bring these things up again years later. And that is foolishness. 
And so when it comes to church, when it, particularly when it comes to new project, when it comes to new projects in, in your life, I, one of the ways that I get around this is I like to use the word experiment because experiments are designed to help you to learn from your mistakes so that eventually you will get the desired outcome. And so the wisdom in this is that as our journey is unfolding, it's a learning experience. It has its ups and downs, but Jesus is there walking us through it. He's unfolding his story. Our story is unfolding um, at an individual level, but also in the context of community. And then we have people in our lives who are cheering us on. There are people in our lives who are with us in the low times and in the high times, who are journeying with us, who see us being changed, being transformed through our circumstances, good and bad, becoming the person that Jesus sees. And so we need the wisdom to persevere. And I just hope that there are a few people out there this morning that just, you need to hear that. And, and maybe you feel that. Maybe you feel that just in your heart and in your spirit. Maybe you even feel it physically right now. God is speaking to me, saying, don't let your past, the mistakes or the failures, define you. Learn from these things and let them be the building blocks from which you do the new thing that God is calling you into. If we're going to come back stronger, we're going to come back deeper. And the steeper is based on the wisdom of knowing who we are and what we're called to. It's wisdom of knowing that life will have its ups and downs, but that God is with us. And so I want to ask this morning, where are the Nehemiahs? Where are the people of vision who see a problem, who see a pile of rubble, but they see a solution? Where are the people who are going to put their hand up and say, I'm going to build that part of the wall. That's what God's calling me to do. I can do that. It's part of the bigger picture. It's part of the bigger story. I want to be part of that. But what is my part? What is my place? What is God calling me to do? And so we do that in terms of how we, we build up our own individual lives. We do that in terms of what we're called to do within the church. But our city and our nation needs people who will look at piles of rubble and figure out what to build from it. There is a rebuilding process that needs to happen out there. It needs creativity. It needs wisdom of heaven. And we have it. The Holy Spirit is within us. He will empower and equip us. And what we need to realize is that the diversity of our thinking becomes really important. That sometimes actually God um, places parts of solutions in the hearts of multiple different people because he wants to bring those people together to do something and to do it better and stronger. Um, and, and that wisdom of diversity, I've been reading a book recently called Rebel Ideas, that the power of diverse thinking, it's not necessarily a Christian book, but it's a book that explains how really people are designed to come together to particularly in complex situations and complex circumstances to come up with solutions. And I believe that that's because we were designed in that way by God to bring solutions to complex problems in our city. And you don't need to be perfect and you don't need to be all sorted out. If maybe if you this morning feel like a pile of rubble, then what I want to say to you is that Jesus is rebuilding you and that as he is rebuilding you, you will become a rebuilder for him, for his kingdom for your community, for this city, 
that those two works can go alongside each other, that as we're being built up and, and put back together, we're also building up other people and other things. And that's going to go right across a wide spectrum of environments. And so we're going to see this creativity and this wisdom for education, for healthcare, for business, for leisure and for the arts, for a wide spectrum of places because our city of Craigavon needs an encounter with Jesus. It needs a kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. And particularly as we head into the autumn time, as furlough is going to end, as winter is going to come, how we enter into that time, which in some ways there's a lot of negativity around it, how we enter into that will define what we do in those times. And this is the time of preparation. Let's prepare our hearts. Let's prepare our minds. Let's allow the vision and the dream of God to grow up within us so that we can take our place in rewriting the story of our city. So um, that is me basically finished, but I just want to encourage you this morning, if God has spoken to you, if you would like someone to pray with you about any of that, that you can ring uh, our helpline and receive prayer. If anything that's been said this morning has stirred your heart uh, in terms of giving your life to Jesus or recommitting your life to Jesus, again, we have people on our prayer line who would love to pray with you. So let's pray now. Father, we thank you that through the Holy Spirit, all wisdom and knowledge is available to us for what we need in life. God, we thank you that you have called us to be wise, creative people, that you have given us a mandate to bring your kingdom rule and reign on this earth as it is in heaven. And God, we acknowledge that so many things in life seem to be in a mess. But we thank you that when we have heaven's vision in our minds, that we can see things differently, that we can see things positively. And we even just acknowledge, God, that you have taken us broken messes that we were, that you have rebuilt us and you continue to rebuild us. And so we know even from our own experiences, God, that you will continue to do that work in us, but also that you would do that in others and you would do that in this city and in this land. And we thank you for that, Lord. And we say, let your kingdom come and let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk